And now it's Jim Jordan's turn in the barrel. Last night, I went to see Jane Fonda speak at an event celebrating the New York Public Interest Research Group's 50th anniversary. Because of that, I am starting the show incredibly late or incredibly early. But uh, I had to go see Jane Fonda speak at the New York Public Interest Research Group. They are a great organization. I need to be reminded there are still heroes out there. It was founded by the great Ralph Nader, and everybody should donate to the New York Public Interest Research Group. Check it out. Check out their their website. We all need heroes, and there are plenty out there. A lot of young heroes out there as well. As I said, it is now Jim Jordan's turn in the barrel. On Friday, House Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan, who went to law school, but oddly enough, failed the bar exam. And because of that, he never got to work as an attorney because Jim Jordan failed the bar exam. Well, he is now the new Republican nominee for Speaker of the House. After Jordan became the presumptive heir to not becoming the next Speaker of the House, members of the House of Representatives were immediately sent home, but they were cheated out of their three-day weekend that Steve Scalise had promised them. They didn't get their three-day weekend. They only get Saturday and Sunday. In a secret round of balloting, Jim Jordan defeated Congressman Austin Scott, a Republican from Georgia. The final tally was 152 to 55. There were two rounds. The first round went 124 for Jim Jordan, 81 for Congressman Austin Scott. And then in round two, Jim Jordan picked up some votes and the final tally was 152 to 55. A full vote on the House floor is expected Tuesday. Yeah, right. They're saying there's going to be a full House vote. Jordan's colleagues from the wonderful Freedom Caucus are confident they can get him to 217 because most of the members of the Freedom Caucus can't count. This is now Trump's moment to exert influence on House Republicans. After Wednesday's setback, when Scalise beat Jordan despite Trump endorsing Jordan, the former president now has three full days to work the phones, whipping votes by intimidating members of the Republican caucus into voting for Jim Jordan or else. This is going to be a major test of just how much hold Trump has over Republicans. And remember, unlike past leaders, Trump isn't horse trading with anybody. He's not making deals. This is pure intimidation. He's been doing it all year with judges, prosecutors and grand juries. And he's been intimidating members of Congress in this post-January 6th landscape. In this post-January 6th landscape, threatening carries with it a lot of clout. 130 House Republicans, in the hours after the insurrection, 
shuffled back into the Capitol, and they still refused to certify the election for Joe Biden. Many House Republicans quietly admit that they are terrified of going up against Trump because they fear for their physical safety. Every prosecutor and judge who is taking Donald Trump on right now has round-the-clock security. It is inconceivable that Jim Jordan could get to 217. He is despised by most House Republicans. If Jim Jordan somehow gets there, it would be for one reason and one reason alone, physical intimidation. Congressman Michael McCall is the Republican from Texas who chairs the House Foreign Affairs Committee. And all week, he has been trying desperately to get Congress moving on some kind of aid for Israel, Taiwan, and Ukraine. Friday morning, he stood outside the doors where Republicans were meeting, trying to choose a speaker or at least nominate one. And he warned, the world is on fire, adding, quote, I see a lot of threats out there. But one of the threats, one of the biggest threats I see is in that room over there. And he pointed to where the Republicans were picking Jim Jordan. This is where it stands early Saturday morning. America is now approaching two full weeks without a Speaker of the House. And when you really think about it, we really haven't had one since Nancy Pelosi handed the gavel to McCarthy. But now we officially don't have a Speaker. To refresh your memory, on Wednesday, in another secret ballot, Trump's pick for Speaker, Jim Jordan, lost to Majority Leader Steve Scalise in a vote that landed 113 to 99. After promising to unite a party that lives for the fight, it's impossible to unite these people, Scalise dropped out the next day, seeing no path forward, seeing no way to get to 217. And nobody thinks Jim Jordan can get to 217. Jim Jordan does. Some people in the Freedom Caucus do. But nobody else does. So why would he run for speaker? Unless... He and Trump are planning a massive charm offensive. And by massive charm offensive, offensive, I mean vote for Jim if you ever want to see your wife and kids again. Short of that, I don't see Jordan getting it. The House is split 221 seats for the Republicans and 212 for the Democrats with two vacancies, three vacancies if you count the space between Marjorie Taylor Greene's ears. Hakeem Jeffries is the Democratic minority leader, and when they go to the floor for a full House vote, he will be the nominee for Speaker, and he's going to get every single one of those 212 votes. Now, it seems to me it should be easier for Hakeem Jeffries to pull five Republican votes than it's going to be convincing 18, maybe 20 Democrats to help a brother out and vote for whatever pathetic excuse for a nominee the Republicans send up. 
So I don't understand why Hakeem Jeffries can't make a deal with five Republicans and become Speaker of the House, right? Uh, because the Republicans are never going to put a candidate up for Speaker who the Democrats, let alone the Republicans, will vote for. Congressman Mark Alford is a Republican from Missouri, and he said Friday, quote, Republicans could put Jesus Christ up for speaker, and he still wouldn't get 217 votes. And that's cute, and I know he's commenting on how divided the Republicans are, but when you think about it, if the Republicans put Jesus up for speaker and then started asking him where he stood on, oh, I don't know, border security, LGBTQ rights, Medicare for all, the eviction crisis, student loan forgiveness. Do you honestly think a single Republican would vote for him? I mean, Republicans say they love Jesus, kind of the same way Senator Tim Scott loves his fictitious girlfriend, who he has yet to introduce us to. In theory, Republicans like Jesus. Well, actually, not even in theory, because they've never actually read the New Testament Republicans worship a Jesus whose Sermon on the Mount, they think, was basically a rehash of Leviticus. Meanwhile, after being the presumptive nominee for a day, Majority Leader Steve Scalise dropped out and graciously threw all his weight behind nobody. If I can't have it, then nobody can. He did not endorse Jim Jordan asked if he would support Jim Jordan. Scalise paused, shuffled his feet and said, quote, it's got to be people that aren't doing it for themselves and their own personal interest. I guess he was implying that Jim Jordan wants to be speaker because he only thinks about himself, as opposed to Steve Scalise only thinks about the oil lobby and the National Rifle Association. For a moment early Friday, Scalise was out, Jim Jordan was running, and he was running unopposed. But then seven-term Republican Congressman Austin Scott of Georgia said there was no way he would ever support Jim Jordan and announced his bid for speaker. Scott, like Scalise, can't afford to alienate four, just four members of his caucus Otherwise, he too won't get to 217. But in his campaign declaration, he called the eight Republicans who voted to dump Kevin McCarthy grifters. Oh, you charmer, you. Although, who knows? These are Republicans. Maybe they think being called a grifter is a compliment. By the way, McCarthy returned the favor of Austin Scott's support for him by supporting Jim Jordan. Scott is a trusted member of Congress who keeps his head down and does the work without drawing attention to himself, which normally would make him an attractive candidate. He serves on both the House Intelligence Committee as well as the Armed Services Committee. Those are weighty assignments. In his pitch to his colleagues, he warned, Republicans are starting to look like a bunch of idiots. Starting? Where have, he, where have you been for the past four decades? He ended up with 88 votes in the first round, 
than only 55 in the second round. So Jordan, to his credit, picked up some steam. He got 152 votes in the second round. That means he's only got to find 65 more votes between now and Tuesday. And again, I would say there's no path for him. But never underestimate the power of Jim Jordan and Donald Trump waving a a baseball bat at your wife's head. And I'm serious. Never underestimate the power of Jim Jordan and Donald Trump waving a baseball bat at your wife's head. Donald Trump became president in 2017. By 2019, there was a mass exodus from Washington of moderate Republicans. Now, I am not making this up. When you ask why these moderate Republicans quit, the number one reason was they feared for their physical safety. And two years later, on January 6th, they were proven right. Look, pay attention to this, because if Jim Jordan becomes speaker, it's only because of sheer brute force. Jim Jordan was on the phone with Trump throughout the day on January 6th, before the insurrection and after. He refused the subpoena and wouldn't testify before the January 6th committee and tell them what he knew. Jordan, like Trump, doesn't have any policy positions. He's a wrecking ball. He wants to destroy things and accrue power. On paper, on paper, Jim Jordan doesn't stand a chance. But on paper, neither did Trump. On paper, Republicans would accept the results of an election. So the full floor vote is expected Tuesday. On paper, it's never going to happen. But most of the members of the Freedom Caucus are confident they can get Jim to 217. And Jim Jordan is one of the founders of the Freedom Caucus. They started in 2015. These are the MAGA Republicans in the House. These are Donald Trump's brown shirts. I'm not being cute here. You saw the way Trump behaved in front of the courtroom last week in New York City. Next week, with Jim Jordan as the nominee, this will be another test of our democracy. Because if Jim Jordan gets to be speaker, it's only because... Donald Trump owns the entire Republican Party. The good news is, if he owns it, that means it will very quickly go belly up. Keep an eye next week. Keep an eye on Congressman Don Bacon. He's a Republican from Nebraska. Keep an eye on him if Jim Jordan makes it to speaker. And and pay attention to how... Don Bacon voted because on Friday he warned that a vote for Jim Jordan is rewarding bad behavior. But then he went in and voted. And we don't know if he voted for Jordan. It's secret ballot. Upstairs on the House floor, we will get to see how they vote. It will be very interesting to see how someone like Don Bacon, who clearly detests Jim Jordan, it'll be very interesting to see how he votes. If he votes for Jordan, there's only one reason Trump got to him. 
All last week, there was talk that House Rules Chair Tom Cole from Oklahoma was going to end up as a compromise candidate, getting some sort of coalition going with Hakeem Jeffries and the Democrats. But on Friday, he told Politico he wasn't interested in working with Hakeem Jeffries or taking any votes from Democrats. Congresswoman Ann Wagner is a Republican from Missouri and a Scalise ally. Asked by Politico if she would vote for Jordan, this Republican said, quote, absolutely not. Jim Jordan gave the most disgraceful, ungracious, I can't even call it a concession speech, of all time. There were gasps in the room. She's talking about Wednesday when he lost to Scalise and stormed out of the room screaming, America wants me. So all it takes is for Republicans not to vote for their candidate. Well, there's one. If, if Jim Jordan takes it upstairs for a full vote, supposedly that's one vote against him. So keep an eye on her. If she votes for Jim Jordan, it's for one reason. Intimidation. Thuggery. Then there is this woman, Democrat Tammy Wilson, who is challenging Jim Jordan in his fourth congressional district. She is saying what I said last week when I said that I hoped Jim Jordan became a nominee because the national scrutiny would destroy him. He's got a lot of secrets that he's kept sub rosa in Ohio. On Friday, she said, quote, all this national attention will expose Jim Jordan. She went on to say the entire world will now see Jim Jordan's true pathetic colors broadcast on the news every single day. Like I said, in Washington, everybody rises to their highest level of corruption. She went on to say everyone is going to know Jordan covered up rape at Ohio State University. Everyone is going to know he defied a January 6th subpoena for over 500 days and deserves to be in handcuffs rather than in a speaker's chair. That's great to hear. But then again, Jim Jordan is Trump's pick. So all these allegations leveled against Jim Jordan, if they were leveled against Trump, Trump would consider that a light day, right? Covering up a rape scandal? Oh, my. Donald Trump is a convicted rapist. The jury said he raped E. Jean Carroll. And that gave him a five-point bump in the polls among likely Republican voters. So this is uncharted territory. It will be fascinating to see how Jordan gets 217 votes. He's completely alienated. From what I understand, he's completely alienated like half the Republican caucus with that fire-breathing temper tantrum after losing to Scalise. America wants me. And then he <laughs> storms out of the room. One of the in the comments section, somebody said, America wants me indicted. That made me laugh. It was a funny comment. Jordan supporters are also 
uh, turning off other members of Congress. Jordan has some diehard supporters in the House of Representatives, and after he lost to Scalise on Wednesday, they said there is no way we will ever vote for Scalise. These are not team players. They said it's either Jordan or nobody. Hmm, odd that Donald Trump would be on Team Jordan. This is the the type of rough political trade you only see from MAGA politicians. Again, this is the post-January 6th landscape where I don't have to compromise, which is why there's a chill over the Republican caucus this morning as a growing sense emerges that not voting for Jordan is not voting for Donald Trump. This is turning into an early loyalty test. Trump only cares about loyalty. You know, on Thursday, Donald Trump attacked Benjamin Netanyahu. And uh, it turned out he was attacking him because he was angry that Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel, called Biden to congratulate him for winning in 2020. That's what Trump was complaining about. And he said they should impeach Bibi Netanyahu for what happened last Saturday because he didn't uh, acknowledge that the election was stolen by Joe Biden. This after the single worst day in Israel's 75-year history. Trump turned on Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister. Of course, Trump walked it back late Friday when he realized that the only Jews who vote for Trump are the ones who love Benjamin Netanyahu. But Trump's political calculus is entirely built around loyalty, not policy, loyalty. This is strongman stuff. And Jordan has been the most loyal Trump supporter in the House. Therefore, Trump supports him. And if you don't support Jordan, then you don't support me. That's his calculus. You don't support Jordan? These are the phone calls over the weekend to the 65 votes that Jordan needs. You, you don't support him? Then you don't support your president. And who knows what I'll do? I'm unpredictable. Maybe uh, maybe I'll find someone to primary you, or maybe I'll just kill your wife and kids. There is simply no question that Donald Trump played a hand in Jordan doing well on Friday. On Wednesday, he only got 99 votes in his race against Scalise. In the second round of voting on Friday, he was up to 152 Again, that's something like 65 shy of 217. Now, let's take Trump out of the picture. Ah, it's a nice, nice picture. Let's forget Trump threatening everyone's wife and kids if they don't vote for Jim Jordan. Let's just go over Jim Jordan as a, a candidate by himself. The negatives against Jim Jordan are insurmountable. Again, if he gets 217 votes, 
It's only because Trump threatened everybody's wife and kids. Here's a first strike against Jim Jordan. He's a founding member of the Freedom Caucus. He only speaks for deep red conservatives, and that pushes centrists in deep purple states away. They're not going to vote for him unless Donald Trump calls and threatens their wife and kids. Remember, there are currently 18 Republican House members from districts that Joe Biden carried in 2020. For them, Jim Jordan is speaker, major liability. The same way 2022 was a referendum on Nancy Pelosi, if Jordan becomes speaker, 2024 becomes a referendum on him. Jordan, when he screamed to the caucus, America wants me, was not reading his national poll numbers correctly. He only looked at likely Republican voters from around the country. But we don't determine who controls the House by looking at what the country wants. Who controls the House is determined congressional district by congressional district. And Jim Jordan wasn't paying attention to his unfavorability ratings from all likely voters, especially in purple districts. He is despised, even by people who are on the fence. He's despised. He loses votes in purple districts. That's strike one. Strike two is that Jim Jordan, unlike Steve Scalise, is anything but a prodigious rainmaker when it comes to donors. Steve Scalise has raised close to $200 million for the party and doled it out to members of his caucus, which is why he's the majority leader. Jordan has not proven himself a strong fundraiser, and that's one of the primary responsibilities of a speaker. So that's strike two. And then there's strike three, which is he's an asshole. Everybody hates Jim Jordan. Troy Nels, the Republican from Texas, who keeps insisting that Trump run for speaker, has had it with all the infighting because he's a fascist. He hates chaos. He says he supports Jordan, but only because Donald Trump told him to. The servile MAGA toady on Friday, Troy Nels said, quote, at some point in time, we all need to lay down our weapons and call in the leader of our party and have him address our conference, unquote. Picture Trump wandering the halls of Congress next week. Picture Donald Trump wandering the halls of Congress after January 6th. That would be a shot to the gut for all freedom-loving Americans. This is Julius Caesar crap. For Trump to walk through the halls of Congress lobbying for Jordan, meeting with the Republican conference and making a show of it, especially after January 6th, this isn't what fascism looks like 
It's what fascism is. Trump tanked Scalise behind his back. We know that because Scalise wasn't loyal enough to Donald Trump. Before Wednesday's vote, Trump said this during a radio interview. Now, this is what he says out in the open. Imagine what he's saying privately about Scalise. This is what he said. Quote, well, I like Steve Scalise. I like both Jim Jordan and Scalise very much. But the problem, you know, Steve is a man that is in serious trouble from the standpoint of his cancer, unquote. Thank you, world-acclaimed oncologist Dr. Donald J. Trump from Sloan Kettering. Who talks this way? Well, that's what he said publicly. Imagine what he's saying about Scalise in private. Jim Jordan was nominated Friday because he's a whiny little brat. There are reports that a lot of moderate Republicans said, just give it to him so he shuts up. We are now hearing that moderate Republicans privately suggested before Friday's vote, let's grant Jim Jordan his wish so he finally goes away. Go ahead. Let's give him the nomination. Let him be king for a day, just like Scalise, so he can finally discover how divisive he truly is. Let him find out how much we all hate him. That was what some moderates were saying privately. Jim Jordan, I suspect, is banking on their cowardice. He's banking on the cowardice of moderates. He and Trump know that these moderate Republicans talk a big game, but just like Ivana Trump, they are terrified when push comes to shoving down the stairs. When push comes to shoving down the stairs, these Republicans are terrified. Before Friday's vote, the caucus voted on a rules package to determine how they were going to proceed on getting their nominee up to the House floor for a full vote. Now, the Republicans are cowards, so they voted to keep the balloting secret. Now, Jim Jordan didn't want a secret ballot because with a secret ballot, there's no intimidation factor. There's no price to pay if your vote is secret. So here is where I think Jim Jordan's confidence stems from. He knows that he was nominated on a secret ballot, and there were about 65 people who didn't vote for him secretly. But he knows that when it comes to a full vote on the House floor, it's full transparency. And with full transparency, these moderate Republicans aren't so principled. Suddenly, when their vote is recorded and Donald Trump is watching, they're going to get in line and vote for Jim Jordan. At least that's what Jim Jordan and Donald Trump are banking on. So I'm going to assume Jim Jordan will take the vote up to the House floor, maybe Tuesday, maybe Wednesday, 
even if he's shy of 217 votes. I suspect he'll even go a couple of rounds like Kevin McCarthy did, because that will be a a test of loyalty to Donald Trump. You got to remember, Trump was whipping votes for McCarthy. When McCarthy won, the first person he thanked was Mein Fuhrer. And so this is what Donald Trump lives for. He likes his show. Jim Jordan will give him one. And I think we will see Jim Jordan go upstairs and go 15, 20 rounds like McCarthy did uh, because it will make Donald Trump feel good. That's what I think. Former Speaker Kevin McCarthy endorsed Jim Jordan before Friday's vote, and that was no surprise because he and Steve Scalise have despised each other ever since Speaker Paul Ryan quit in 2018. And both Scalise and McCarthy thought they were Ryan's rightful heir. As I talked about yesterday, McCarthy froze Scalise out of the inner circle during McCarthy's brief reign as Speaker, even though Scalise held the number two spot. There is no love loss between those two. McCarthy started the week intimating that he would be open to getting nominated. But by late Thursday evening, he was turning down offers. He said, don't put my name in the hat. While McCarthy is set to be cheered by Scalise's short half-life, he is reportedly pessimistic about Republicans keeping the House in 2024. Now, it's important to remember that Republicans were expecting a much bigger majority after last year's midterms, but it never materialized. They only have a five-vote majority, and there are 12 seats in the House right now that are being redrawn by the courts, and most of those seats will end up favoring Democrats. Alabama, for example, just had their map redrawn, And it pretty much now guarantees their congressional delegation will go from one Democrat to two. McCarthy held a press conference on Tuesday demanding Congress take action to help Israel. He was hoping Republicans would rally around him for the sake of Israel. But it turns out the caucus despises Kevin McCarthy even more than Hamas. Now... McCarthy is insisting that acting speaker Patrick McHenry, he's insisting that McHenry has the power right now to convene and get an aid package for Israel passed immediately because there really are no rules. You can change the rules as you go along. Acting speaker Patrick McHenry is a Republican from North Carolina He has spent the past two weeks insisting he's a placeholder and isn't interested in the job. McCarthy picked him as his replacement precisely because McHenry is ineffectual. And McHenry knows that. He wears a bow tie. He knows he's weak. But as the situation deteriorated, on Thursday, McHenry's lack of naked ambition started to seem attractive to some. And he was floated as the more attractive, less divisive choice for Speaker than Jim Jordan. But late, by late Thursday, 
McHenry said he wouldn't rule the job out, but he didn't actively campaign for it, and his name didn't come up on Friday. Uh, I would think Trump might get behind him if Jordan somehow doesn't win, because this guy would never stand up to Donald Trump. He Look at him. Supposedly, the Problem Solvers Caucus is working the phones and talking to one another because they like to solve problems. Congressman David Joyce is a Republican for Ohio, and he's a problem solver. And his solution to this problem is electing McHenry speaker for 90 days. Well, if you wanted a speaker for 90 days, they should have gone with Scalise, because according to Dr. Donald Trump, that's all the time he has left. Matt Gates perceives McHenry as a McCarthy surrogate, so he McHates the idea. Joyce said he is hashing out the plan with the House parliamentarian because that's what problem solvers do. They talk to the parliamentarian for hours and convince themselves they're making great headway because they are problem solvers. Josh Godheimer, Jared Golden, and Susie Lee are also problem solvers. They're Democratic Party problem solvers. They uh, work with the Republican problem solvers to solve problems by killing every piece of progressive legislation that's introduced. But uh, they see a new problem. So on Friday, they sent a letter to the acting speaker to get Congress to approve a resolution that will extend the continuing resolution all the way up until January 11th, 2024. Got it? Now, we were supposed to have a 2024 budget passed by October 1st. During, one, during Wednesday's candidate forum, Steve Scalise and Jim Jordan both admitted individually and separately that if they were elected speaker, there would be no way they could get a budget passed by November 17th when the continuing resolution runs out. So the problem solvers can't fix any problems that are going on right now, but they can see a problem over the horizon, and that is extend the current continuing resolution until January 11th which means we will go four months without a budget. And I feel bad because this morning's show was three hours late. Did they go see Jane Fonda? Has Congress gone to hear Jane Fonda speak? No, they don't have an excuse. And I was only delayed four hours. They're delayed four months. This is the mop-up for October 14th, 2023. If you're a fan of comedy, I'll be in Bogota, New <laughs> Bogota, New Jersey tonight playing the Restless Leg Syndrome Motel. Six shows tonight, five tomorrow. The Restless Leg Syndrome Motel on Stagnetti Boulevard. The Restless Leg, Restless Leg Syndrome Motel, where every room is next to the ice machines 
ask about their ice bucket rentals. You can rent an ice bucket at a reasonable price. The, the, the ice machine, the ice is free from the ice machine, but you uh, have to rent the ice buckets. I have some good news. Uh, you all know my cat, Mrs. Nugget, and I live in a cramped apartment, and the cat box is a pain. But after years of training, Mrs. Nugget finally learned to use the toilet. You can train a cat to use a toilet, and this makes my life so much easier. Look at her. I am so proud of Mrs. Nugget. And here she is trying to flush the litter down the toilet. Uh, I read about this in a book. You, there, she's flushing the, the litter down the toilet. You, what you do, if you, you, you fill the toilet with cat litter. So we've been doing this for, this happened like four hours ago. You just pour kitty litter into the toilet. And I guess eventually you flush the litter down when, uh, when she's done, I guess. I let you, I'll let you know tomorrow. But that is the secret to training your cat how to uh, use the toilet. You just pour kitty litter in the toilet and they go right in there. I am so proud of you, Mrs. Nugget. I've had her for five years. And, uh, you know, I live with a very depressed woman and I just want to check in with her. Um, Honey, uh, Mrs. Nugget is using the toilet now. Yay. Isn't that great? I, I worked really hard. I studied up on it. And now we won't have to change the, the cat box anymore. Isn't that great? Yay. Okay. I know you're depressed, but I love you with all my heart. Yay. And, and, and do you love me? Because I love you with all my heart. Yay. Did you say, did you just say you don't love me? Yay. Okay, she's very depressed. Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss are the two Georgia election officials who sued Rudy Giuliani for defamation after his accusations that they stuffed ballots for Joe Biden forced them into hiding. Well, they won their case this summer when Rudy forfeited by refusing to turn over evidence. U.S. District Court Judge Beryl Howell, she's the judge in the case, she ruled Friday that the jury will be notified that Rudy defied repeated court orders by hiding assets, making it impossible to calculate the damages he owes. Does anybody think he has any money left? He's going to be, he, I mean... He's got to go to prison just for a place to sleep. Michael Cohen, Trump's former lawyer, who is now a witness for the prosecution in the New York State fraud trial, was expected to testify next week. He was going to be the star witness. But late Friday, he announced that he must postpone his testimony due to a mysterious medical condition. Cohen, earlier in the week, expressed concern for his physical safety as Trump's intimidation multiplied. Trump announced 
plans to fly into New York City to sit in the courtroom during Michael Cohen's testimony and stink eye Cohen like Frank Pantagioli's older brother Vincenzo coming in from Sicily right before Frankie Five Angels was going to testify against Michael. Meanwhile, there are reports that Donald Trump is screaming at his lawyers, demanding they get his election interference case transferred out of Washington, D.C. Trump insists there's no way he can get a fair trial in Washington, D.C. He says the jury pool is completely stacked against him. And he may be right. Ryan Lizza over at Politico wrote this week that Trump only got 5% of the vote in 2020. Kind of unfair, isn't it? All right. Let me have a glass of water, and then I'm going to talk about Israel, and then we'll call it a night. All right. You can turn it off now if you don't want to hear about this. Um, The Israel-Gaza war now enters its seventh day. It was a week ago today when Hamas butchered, raped, and beheaded innocent people. One thousand Jews protested outside Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer's New York City home, demanding that he urge a ceasefire during next week's trip to Israel. Hamas said 13 Israeli hostages were killed by Israeli missile attacks in the past 24 hours. Israel early Friday warned more than one million Palestinians must evacuate northern Gaza as Israeli tanks begin to roll in. Several members of the squad criticized Israel's demand that Palestinians evacuate northern Gaza, northern Gaza borders southern Israel, Congressman Elon Omar said Israel demanding one million Gazans evacuate northern Gaza is nothing short of ethnic cleansing. Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said giving them 24 hours to leave is not possible. She added, humanity is at stake. After the U.N. and much of the world community condemned the evacuation orders, Israel later on Friday said there was no longer any specific deadline for everybody to leave, but they still insisted Palestinians begin leaving northern Gaza, which is roughly the size of Philadelphia. Gaza is roughly the size of Philadelphia. A spokesman for the Israeli Defense Forces told reporters, we now understand It will take time for them to leave. But Hamas told residents not to flee, accusing Israel of engaging in psychological warfare. Hamas uses hospitals, mosques, ambulances, nurseries, and apartments. And the people who are in those facilities, Hamas uses them as human shields. They know Israeli soldiers are less likely to attack for fear 
of killing innocent people. If northern Gaza is evacuated, then all that remains will be the soldiers, and that's something Hamas doesn't want. These are difficult truths. These are difficult truths. On Friday, Joe Biden visited Philadelphia, which is roughly the size of Gaza. Sorry. Uh, While Biden has yet to counsel Israel to hold back, he did say, quote, we can't lose sight of the fact that the overwhelming majority of Palestinians had nothing to do with Hamas and these appalling attacks and their suffering as a result. That is true. That is absolutely true. What I'm trying to do is... uh, report what's going on, gather up the information. I'm Jewish, so it's going to, uh, I may overcompensate or not. I don't know. You decide. But I'm trying to the best I can. Republican Max Miller is one of two Jewish Republicans serving in the House representatives. There are very few Jewish Republicans, and the Jewish, the Jews who are Republicans are mentally ill. That is my opinion. On Thursday, Max Miller introduced a resolution banning members of Congress from displaying the Palestinian flag outside their offices in response to Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, the only Palestinian-American serving in Congress, displaying one outside hers. Right? It's all about cancel culture and freedom of speech with these Republicans, unless, you know, they see a flag they don't like. Uh, That's Max Miller from Ohio, first term. Used to work in the Trump White House. Stephanie Grisham, Donald Trump's White House press spokesperson said she dated Max Miller while the two of them worked in the Oval Office. Grisham said Congressman Max Miller was physically violent with her. Miller then sued her for defamation, but withdrew the lawsuit in August. Long history of uh, bad behavior with Congressman Max Miller. That's why Trump hired him. And that's why Donald Trump uh, endorsed him when he ran for Congress. Here's another winner. Republican Congressman Brian Mast showed up to Congress on Friday wearing an Israeli military uniform to express contempt for Rashida Tlaib's flag. You know, maybe he and Nancy Mace with her scarlet letter A t-shirt should go trick-or-treating together on Halloween dressed as degenerate douchebags. I have some more thoughts. I'm going to hold them because... um, One of the reasons I started this morning's show so late is I attend an event celebrating the 50th anniversary 
of the New York Public Interest Research Group, PERG. New York Public Interest Research Group was founded by Ralph Nader. And yes, you should donate without asking any questions. Jane Fonda spoke. And she's a miracle. And she said she is dedicating the rest of her life to fighting climate catastrophe. She said her motto is, if you can't change the people, change the people. If you can't change the people, change the people. People change. And people see. Uh, Some people can't change, but uh, some people can. And uh, there are some great people out there. And Jane Fonda is one of them. Hamas killed 1,300 people in Israel last Saturday and wounded almost 3,400. They beheaded children and raped women. 27 Americans were among them. Hamas said the operation was carried out by 4,500 soldiers. Last Saturday was the single worst day in Israeli history. This is happening without my permission. What happened a week ago happened without my permission. What's happening in Gaza right now is being done without my permission. All I know is more violence creates more violence. I know that. So, it seems to me that this country, like it used to, should be forced should be forcing people to the bargaining table. And uh, it, it has to stop. It has to stop. You, you, you need to start talking just for the sake of talking. You need to do diplomacy just for the sake of diplomacy. Our first response always seems to be, give them weapons. Um... We should be giving them peace. Uh, I know that's right. I know peace is right. I know that. I will see everybody uh, maybe tomorrow. I don't know. I don't know. I'm David Feldman reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. And as Jane Fonda said, uh, what did she say? I'm tired. What did she say? If you can't change the people, change the people. I'll see you. Thank you.